In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I talked to Sebastian Dedane about learning React from the perspective of a Vue developer. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 114. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wathen, and today it's my pleasure to be joined by Sebastian Dedane. How's it going, Sebastian? Hi, great. How are you? Good. For anyone who isn't familiar with you, do you mind uh, just briefly introducing yourself and talking a little bit about what you do? So I'm Sebastian. I work at Spassi, which you might uh, have heard of from our Laravel packages mostly. Um, I used to be a backend developer there, but now I'm actually mostly focusing on front on things awesome yeah so the reason i wanted to have you on the show is because um you you put out a blog post recently um sort of about your transition i guess from Vue to react and some of the things that you like about react uh coming from Vue, things that kind of feel nicer to you and i think there's a, a lot of people out there who kind of get really comfortable with a tool and i'm an example of that for example like i'm really productive and comfortable with Laravel. So as a result, it's hard for me to invest time into learning other tools that try to solve the same problem. For example, like I've always wanted to learn Phoenix and Elixir, but it's hard to justify it because I know I'm going to be so much slower than I would be in Laravel. And I think there's a lot of people out there who sort of learned Vue first um, and like Vue and are really happy with Vue, but are still sort of intrigued by React and want to learn more about it, uh, but can't really justify dumping a ton of time into into learning about it. So um, since you have a lot of experience with Vue and now you're sort of uh, deep in the React world too, I thought it'd be cool to have a conversation about what some of the differences are between uh, React and Vue, what sort of drew you to React and what you kind of like about it, and just sort of you know talk about some of the concepts in React um, from a perspective that uh, view developers are going to be able to understand so we can learn a little bit more about what it's like working uh, in that environment. How does that sound to you? Yeah, cool. So I think maybe my first question for you would be like, when did you um, get started with Vue? Um, well, actually really, really early on before it caught on, um, I actually used Vue for a, for a school project. I think that was in like 2000. 15 or something yeah um that was like 0.8 i think when they started um but i didn't i wasn't really that good of a programmer yet then so (laughs) (laughs) i was just kind of like oh this is this is pretty easy to get started with Uh, it all worked that's all cool um then professionally um i actually worked with react first um, okay because um Back in the day, I think that was like the first modern JavaScript framework that had Laracast videos. I think yeah. React was the first one. Um, that was before Taylor actually got started with Vue. Um, then we started working with React at Spassy, and we were we were actually pretty happy with it back then, uh, even though it was a lot to learn uh, compared to, to J, jQuery we were coming from. Yep. Um, and then like a few months or like a year later, uh, Taylor started embracing Vue um for a lot of Laravel things and so then we started playing around with Vue too like okay let's compare Vue with React see what we should use and we we actually liked them both as much as a company um but then we decided okay since the Laravel ecosystem seems to be going towards Vue more right now 
mm-hmm. uh, let's just follow it since since we love both frameworks actually but let's pick few because that's kind of where Laravel is heading yeah because so the integration is a little bit tighter you don't have yeah, to tweak as many whole things ecosystem out of the box. was yeah so it was really always 50 50 then um i actually kind of learned them at the same time too so i wasn't really biased towards one or the other but then the years went on uh as a happy view user but i kept on checking out react every now and then mm-hmm. um and to me after a while it was like actually i kind of prefer some philosophies react has where they like keep things a lot more simple or like with smaller apis and stuff um views reactivity system also bit me a few times um those are just so there are like a few little things that made me think react actually looks pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, and especially now the past few months now that they released hooks everything feels a lot more lightweight actually than view while it was kind of the opposite in yeah. the in the beginning yeah, yeah that's that's interesting i think um that sounds sort of similar to my own perspective in terms of like uh, when hooks came out is when I definitely started getting more excited about react and more interested in it than I was yeah. before because, um, and for the same similar reasons, like before it, it kind of just felt like, you know, you have these big class files with all these, uh, life cycle hooks and it's and view and react are very similar. I think under the hood in terms yeah. of like how they're actually, how they're actually working. So you can do basically anything in one that you can do in the other. But, um, when they started promoting like function components with hooks and you look at sort of the syntax, it was just kind of, uh, really appealing because it just like you're, saying seems so lightweight it's like oh it's just a function and i just kind of grab the things i want it seems like there's very uh there's less to to know you know what i mean they've they've figured out ways to sort of simplify um certain things i think um the biggest difference or i think the most important distinction for me between react and view that i'm curious if you agree with is that I think Vue really optimizes for trying to make things very easy and trying to make everything as easy as possible. Um, whereas I think React optimizes for simplicity. And I think people kind of confuse those two sometimes uh, or think they mean the same thing. But Vue actually offers a lot of features to make solving specific problems very easy and tries to do it for you like that's why there's you know a difference between methods versus computed properties versus data like uh whereas in react it's just a render function and props essentially and like that's it you know what i mean and you have to kind of figure out how to take yeah a a much smaller surface area of features and do more with them um which i think means means more work for you as a developer sometimes um but depending on what you value i th- i could see why you could why we would prefer one or over the other like view makes it really easy to do a lot of things react it means there's less for you to know that's framework specific and the way that you solve problems is just by writing javascript you know you solve yeah. problems the exact same way like that's what i always thought was so interesting about like um uh what do they call like render props right like um yeah it's it's not like a feature of react in any way it's just like Mm -hmm. well you want something to be like evaluated lazily and to be able to accept data from the thing that you're passing it to well that's what 
higher order functions are for. That's why you pass functions to mm-hmm. things. And, and with a render prop, that's all you're doing is you're passing a function to another function and it, it invokes it passing through data. So you're not, you're not learning anything that you aren't already applying in like vanilla JavaScript code, which is, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Does that, that's something I really like about react to it's like you just do pretty much everything with props and components. And those are like the only concepts you need to know, and you can do a lot with them. While Vue has a lot of extra abstractions like events and slots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for like basic things, like you said, Vue makes them easier, like for basic state management or yeah, dumb things like if statements and for loops yeah. are a lot easier for newcomers uh, in Vue. But when you start doing more advanced patterns like renderless components and stuff, it feels like Vue makes things harder because of the abstractions Vue actually has. Yeah, um, I agree. I think um, things get a little bit more challenging and there's like, there's more to learn. Um, I know that I have like a YouTube video that tries to explain how scoped slots work in Vue. And um, it's mm-hmm. pretty popular. And I have so many people commenting on it that are like, wow, finally, I understand it. Because it's it's very unintuitive, like what's actually happening. Like, I was working, I was working on a like I guess like to to say it in like the quickest way possible. Scope slots are essentially not evaluated until the child is evaluated because under the hood they're implemented as functions, whereas regular slots are not implemented as functions. Mm-hmm. But none of that is really visible to you. You sort of have to like know about the internals of Vue to know how that's going to work. Yeah. And me and Taylor um, were working on this secret project of his last week and ran into an issue which is pretty common with Vue. It's not, it's not really a view issue. It's just like a, something you hit a lot of the time that you have to work with where you're trying to like access a property of something that's undefined because um, you're waiting for some data to load. Like you're fetching the user from the API and then you're saying user.firstName somewhere in like a VF statement or something. And you're trying to make sure that code doesn't get evaluated until the user is rendered. And to solve the particular problem that we ran into, I can't remember the exact problem, but, but basically the simplest solution I could come up with that I don't think many people would have ever occurred to them to come up with is, well, if we add an empty slot scope attribute to this slot, it will make it lazily evaluated because Vue is going to treat it yeah. as a function. We actually don't need anything from the child, but if by adding this a- attribute, unintuitively, it just makes this code not evaluate until later when the data is actually available. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And things like that, I think, are more explicit and in your face in react because you actually see well this is a function now and not a a static data Mm -hmm. yeah i actually came up with the exact same solution once for a similar (laughs) problem but then i decided not to go for it because the empty slot scope prop looked so vague it's like if someone looks back at this (laughs) in a few months they're like gonna be why the hell is this here? Let's just get rid of it. But then everything Yeah, yeah. It's not breaks. intuitive at all, right? <laughs> Whereas if it was clearly yeah. I'm passing in a function and invoking it in the child, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's it's we- that's kind of the the yeah. cost you have in view for for the templates. The templates are another abstraction over everything, and they make a lot of things a lot cleaner and easier. And especially for if you're not really working with the framework uh, often, like designers and stuff when they see a view template or a react component i think it's a lot easier for them to understand what's happening in a view template than a than a react component mm-hmm. but then if you if you want to do stuff like lazy evaluations which are a bit more advanced 
then then you're kind of paying the cost of using that those templates up front. Yeah, I think the templates are definitely the source of a lot of sort of view specific things that you end up having to learn because they have to come up with sort of custom solutions for things because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're using a template thing and and it's just a just a matter of trade-offs i guess right like if like the whole idea with view is like we want to have templates as an option we think that's yeah. simple we think people like that unfortunately that means that for some complex problems we have to come up with complex uh, solutions whereas react mm-hmm. takes the opposite stance which is you know every little bit of html that you have to write we're going to make you write in this custom jsx language which yeah. <laughs> uh, you might not like the idea of that at first but as a result um complex things are no more complicated you know than they than simple yeah. things everything's kind mm-hmm. of even so it's just an interesting trade-off i think other than kind of that are there any big differences you can think of that really stand out to you between um react and view either like philosophically or from you know a perspective of what it's like to actually work with the two frameworks um, but like we kind of said before, with Vue, it's like everywhere. But when you have a component, everything you're looking at is like has a place. It f- it's like feels like I'm building something in Vue and not always. I, it feels more like a framework and less like a library, actually, to mm-hmm. me. Um, so you have like computed properties, methods, which all belong in their, their own place. Um, while React is just, yeah, you, you have, you actually start with a function and then you simply add things you need it's like it feel it feels more like react gives you a set of building blocks that you build stuff with while view is more like here's a blueprint of a component and uh and you kind of add things in there um it it feels more like view is like a bit like kind of like configuration more instead of building something if that if that makes sense yeah um I kind of see that in the in the ecosystem too, but if you like compare the the main router packages for both libraries, so you have like view router, which you declare your routes as an object, kind of like you're used to in the view component. It's all based on configuring objects. Mm-hmm. While uh, React router, um, I think the most popular one, is like okay, declare your routes by nesting components in each other. So yeah. it's like it's kind of a different way of of doing abstractions, like a yeah. philosophical difference in there do you ever find like i think it's kind of a matter of sort of like your your own personality but um i feel like a lot of people like having sort of one true way to solve a problem they like not having to decide like oh well i could do this this way or i could do this this way and i think view really appeals to people like that and i consider myself to be someone like that where i always want to know like oh how would the person who wrote this framework solve this problem and in view that's easier i think because the features exist as like first class things so there's a computed property well i have a value that's computed based on two pieces of data well of course i'm just going to put it in the computed section and it's done whereas in react like you're saying you sort of have to decide for yourself how you want to handle things like that and maybe you come up with your own patterns for this specific project and maybe you do it differently on another project but it's it's just kind of up to you do you find that to be like liberating or do you find it to be like paralyzing in your own workflow i don't really have much of a problem like that uh on a on an application level or on a component level actually like like the example of computed properties um in react there aren't 
that many ways to do, I mean, uh, there aren't that many ways to do a component differently i think in react but that is a problem i do have at the ecosystem a bit so like with Vue, you have Vue router and Vue x which are first party tools mm -hmm. but if you want to start like okay i want to add a state management library to my react application then you have to like wade through hundreds and hundreds and thousands <laughs> of state management options that yeah. they have um so uh, i kind of miss that in the ecosystem sometimes where there's not like one thing that everyone uses or or one thing that's first party or something just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Cloudinary. So if I had to describe Cloudinary myself, it's basically just the best way to store and serve images that I've ever seen. In the past, I used to use generic storage services like Amazon S3 to store and serve images, uh, but after switching to Cloudinary, I genuinely cannot believe I ever did this stuff any other way. Uh, so here's one example of how Cloudinary has made my life easier. Uh, so you probably know that typically images are the heaviest resource your users have to download when they visit your site, right? Usually way more than your JavaScript or CSS. So in the past, I would spend a lot of time tweaking settings and tools like Image Alpha and Image Optim to try and optimize my image files so they weren't as large. Uh, with Cloudinary, I can just upload the full resolution file without even really thinking about it. And then by just adding a parameter to the image URL that I get back, uh, when I go to serve it on my site, Cloudinary will automatically optimize that image as best as it can, usually resulting in file sizes that are actually lower than what I was seeing when trying to optimize the images by hand. Uh, this is even more useful for like user uploaded images because instead of trying to do some fancy automatic image optimization in a background job on my own server or something, I can just send those images directly to Cloudinary from the browser, I request the optimized version back by adding that URL parameter and bam, I've got an optimized image at a really small file size. Uh, so there's an enormous amount of other cool stuff that you can do through the URL based API. That's really just scratching the surface, but you can do stuff like request images at different sizes so you can serve smaller images on mobile devices so you're not wasting bandwidth uh, you can crop images to different dimensions you can crop images using face detection so just crop to the faces in an image uh, you can automatically add watermarks or text overlays or tons of different effects and stuff like that it's a seriously impressive service so cloudinary has an amazing free plan where you can store 300,000 images and videos yeah did i mention you can do all this crazy stuff not just with images but also with videos too uh, you get 10 gigabytes of storage and 20 gigabytes of monthly bandwidth on this free plan uh, so if you're not already using them definitely head over to cloudinary.com and check it out it really is one of my absolute favorite services that i use on my own projects thanks a ton to cloudinary for sponsoring this episode back to the show so i think something that would be kind of interesting to get into is talking about uh sort of specifically at the code level some of the features of view that people are are used to using in view and talking about how you would do um, those same things in React, especially when React doesn't actually have, you know, first-class React API features for, for a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff. So I think maybe a good one to start with, since we kind of been talking about it a bit already, is computed properties. So in Vue, you have this idea of a computed property in your, mm -hmm. uh, in your view component where you list your computed properties and you can just drop methods in there and return whatever you want from those. And they just are available automatically as this dot name or whatever. And view will intelligently sort of track the dependencies of those and only recalculate them when the dependencies change. And you sort of know mm -hmm. 
when you're using those, uh, okay, this is optimized as much as possible. Like I don't have to really worry too much about performance or anything here. Views kind of trying to do everything as intelligently as it can. Whereas in React, you don't have the idea of computed properties, at least not as a first class thing. So if you were trying mm-hmm. to implement a computed property in React, like what does that actually look like to do? Um, well, I generally keep things as simple as possible first. Um, I don't really start with thinking, okay, how am I going to make this super performant or is it necessary to think about performance? Um, a lot of computed properties are just like derived from the components props. So in React, if it's something simple, you just put it in a new variable. So you like if you receive uh, a first name and a last name prop or something and you need a full name computed property, mm-hmm. then you just declare a full name variable um, and concatenate the first and last name in there. Uh, if it's something really complex um, or that requires a few steps, then you could extract the the computation part to its own function. So a function that receives a first and a last name and returns a concatenated full name. Yeah. So that's kind of the the basic way. It's just uh, like what people say about React, just JavaScript. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of how you how you do it there. And um, if performance becomes an issue, or if you feel like okay, this is going to be computed a lot of times, and I kind of want to memoize it, um, React now has a use memo hook. Um, so in the component, you can say okay, full name equals, and then you say use memo, which is a hook. And inside there, you write a write a callback, so kind of like fuse computed properties, mm-hmm. which is our which are also callbacks. Um, and in there, you say, okay, return first name plus last name. Then you have the full name. And use memo has a second argument. So after the callback, you can specify its dependencies. So then you'd specify, okay, first name and last name are the dependencies of this property, and then it will only recompute when any of those dependencies changes. Yeah. So that's kind of how you solve the performance problem. So the difference. And just like computed. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And just like computed properties, you could use the use memo hook a few times, and you can use memoized um, properties, uh, memoized variables actually, as dependencies for other use memo calls. So yeah, you also have like the kind of chaining effect, Ah, like one of them changes if uh, all of them changes. Nice. Yeah. So I guess the main difference there between like Vue and React is. Again, Vue is trying to make things sort of easy for you by like automatically trying to figure out what are the dependencies of this computer property, mm-hmm. tracking for you, making it kind of just magic um, so you don't have to think about it. Whereas React um, is just making you be explicit and making it sort of clear what's happening and yeah. letting you kind of see exactly what's happening. So in Vue, mm-hmm. like a lot of people probably don't even realize that computed properties are only reevaluated whenever the dependencies change because there's nothing in the component signaling to you that the dependencies of this affect anything. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're using something like this use memo hook, you can see right in the code, it's like, well, I'm passing an array uh, that has first name and last name in it. It must be using those for something. It's sort of like yeah. helping you understand how it's kind of working. I think something that um, you mentioned right at the beginning that I think is worth pointing out um, which was just like for simple computer properties, all you're really doing is creating a new variable that derived from some existing yeah. data that you have. I think um, that can be sort of hard for Vue developers to visualize sometimes because we're so used to working with templates where there's mm-hmm. no 
opportunity to create a variable when you have a template yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what i mean <laughs> and I, I think like the f- most important thing to understand about react is that your template is actually a function and the function doesn't have to only just contain like the jsx that you want to return you yeah. can absolutely just have code at the top of the function that does any setup that you need to create the variables that you want that should mm-hmm. exist in that scope um, and then they're available. And, and anytime React is going to re-render that component, it's going to call that function again, which means it's going to reevaluate any of that sort of setup code where you're declaring any values and everything's mm-hmm. just going to work. So again, I think that's another instance where things are actually simpler um, in the sense yeah. that features don't need to exist to sort of help you do these things because you just have a function and you can just do whatever you would normally do in a function mm-hmm. so yeah it's kind of yeah. interesting and interesting to note there too is i actually never did it a lot before react but you can declare functions in functions in javascript mm-hmm. uh, people might not do it that often but that's also kind of how you write your methods you have your outer function which is a component and then inside that function you declare new functions like okay function handle click or whatever yeah and it kind of looks weird at first to be writing functions in functions yeah but you get used to it and it yeah it's kind of elegant there's no difference (laughs) really between that and just like creating a variable that's assigned to a closure right like i'm saying like function handle click and then the body is really the same as just saying like const handle click equals function um but yeah the syntax i think can seem confusing at first if you're used to languages where that's like not syntactically valid like php you can't declare like a named function inside of another named function but in javascript they just act just like i mean they close over the scope too right i believe right so so you have access to everything there as well quick unrelated semi tangential question for you something i've been thinking about lately is when how do you decide um, when you're writing javascript when to use like a named function versus like an arrow function because i've had um a couple prs open on like the tailwind repo um sort of like refactoring Mm -hmm. things to change named functions it's like const function name equals arrow function because it's shorter and for some reason i i don't like it if i want to have a named function and i can't figure out why so i'm curious what other people do like um do you use named functions for some things and arrow functions for other things and what are your heuristics for deciding we've debated it for days hours at work already (laughs) Uh, because yeah it it, and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter much which makes it even harder to discuss like what's the right thing to do yeah Um, what i kind of like doing now is i if i want to give it if it has a name i use function yeah um and if it's passed as a just like if an the function is passed argument. as an anonymous function in an argument, yeah, then I use arrows. That's pretty much my guideline yeah. these days. I like um, that. It's, it's easy to follow. <laughs> um, and I, I really like that, yeah, that you can see easily like, okay, this is a function. Because if you have like a list of plain variables and then single line arrow functions and then multi-line arrow functions, it's like really hard to spot the difference from afar. Well, yeah. if you're using the function keyword, then you immediately say, oh, okay, this is, a, this is a function that I'm going to invoke later instead of just being a, a variable with a long name or something. Yeah, I think I agree. I like having the functions sort of stand out to you. But then at the same time, sometimes I wonder, am I 
am I sort of like making things more complicated than necessary? Should I even be separating like data and functions in my head? Or are functions just another type of data, you know? And they are, yeah. technically, right? <laughs> um, so sometimes I wonder, should I just be doing everything the same? If I need to declare something, should it just be always const, whatever, equals? And then on the right-hand side, sometimes it's a function, sometimes it's a number, sometimes it's whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I don't know. This is a tricky one to decide. But, yeah, typically I do what you do. And I, I yeah. kind of like but, how but it react sticks components. out in your editor. Yeah, but a React component is like in view, you have like the clear separation, computed methods, data. Um, if you have a React component and you declare everything as a variable, then it kind of looks a bit messy. So that's kind of another reason why I like to use functions to define handlers in a, in a component is because then I immediately can see, okay, this is like a block of a few handlers that I'm declaring. And before that is the, is the state or the, or the computed things that I'm declaring makes it easier to scan the overall file mm-hmm. when you're um building components in react and you're you know declaring the component function itself and maybe you just have one component in this file are you always declaring like handlers for that component inside the function uh, versus like just declaring functions at the like outside of the main export just in the top of the file like do you mix and match that is there a reason to do it one way or the other way pretty much always inside because um most of the handlers use variables that are scoped inside a component got it like if you if you're modifying component state or something then you need to do a set state call and the set state call is defined inside a component Mm -hmm. so if I define the handler outside of the component, I'd also you need to, to like pass, pass set state call up. So it kind of makes more sense to keep it, yeah. keep it inside. Makes sense. Cool. So maybe the next um, sort of view specific feature to talk about how you do that in React um, would be like V model bindings. People always talk about like people. I think people talk about one of the big differences between React and Vue, which I think is not true is they say like react is just like one way data flow and like view has two way binding like angular 1 and that's really complicated or whatever but in view v model isn't actually two way binding it's just sort of like special syntax mm-hmm. to shorten the same thing that you would do with like one way binding but um so what does that actually look like to do in react for people that are used to just typing like v model equals name and having that automatically update whenever someone types into an input um, what does that look like to implement in React? Um, it's just a lot more explicit. Uh, sometimes I miss V model because um, it it is especially for simple cases. It's like really clear. It's easy to type. Um, but in React, you just have to be more explicit. You say, okay, I have a value, and then you pass down the name or whatever, and then you pass a second prop, which which is which contains a callback. So mostly it's like on change or something. And then you pass a set name function. So then the the component, like if you have a, a name input or something, the name input would receive a value prop and an on change prop. Um, the value prop will be used to fill in the input. And when the input changes, then you actually call the on change prop that you received. So the change actually gets pushed up to the parent component. If that and what is the on change handler received? Does it just receive like the raw dom event or do you get the updated value directly um so if you have an input 
HTML component, uh, if you use an input HTML component in your JSX, yep. then it's going to receive the, the DOM event. So if you want to get the value, uh, you have to do like event.target.value yeah. to get the actual value that was typed yeah. into the input. Um, but mostly when I'm building a project, I'll have like a set of basic form components, like a text field or something, which also already has some base styling and stuff. And then that my own form component will re require an on-change handler, um, but I'll do the event.target value part inside that uh, component. So when I'm using my own text field or text input component, yeah. I don't really need to worry about where the value comes from. That's kind of yeah. like an implementation detail of uh, my own component. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that I noticed with, um, with Vue recently is that some of the V model logic for certain situations is actually like very complicated. So there's this view template explorer thing. Have you seen this where you can type out like a view template and it shows you what the compiled render function for that template is? I've never, never heard of it actually. It's, it's pretty cool. So I use it sometimes when I want to understand like how a certain feature in view works. Um, so like, when you're trying to implement like on change on um, a select, for example, the logic is quite a bit more complicated than it is on mm -hmm. an input. I can't remember the exact difference off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it is just a little bit more complicated. And similarly, when you're trying to do like, um, you know how in view you can do like V model on checkboxes with like arrays and mm -hmm. like some sort of fancy stuff there the actual implementation to make vModel work for that is like, again, way more complicated than it is for just an input when you're doing value stuff. Yeah. So do you ever find in React that um, for situations besides just a text input, sort of re-implementing vModel by hand ends up feeling like a lot of work? Not really. Um, I think a select is is harder because you need to manually set the, the selected option, I think, but I'm actually not sure anymore. It's uh, kind of been a while, so yeah. I don't really have a good answer to this. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, cool. Um, so, so maybe the next feature to talk about uh, would be like watchers. So that's something that people use in Vue a lot when uh, usually I end up using it in situations where I kind of wish I could use a computed property, but for one reason or another, I can't. And instead I just have to watch some values and update something when something else changes. Um, so what does it look like to implement something like that in react where you, you just want to change the value of something when the value of, of something else changes and you can't do it as a computed property. I wish I could think of a specific example, but, um, and I don't know, maybe it's already clear enough <laughs> to you. Yeah, I get it. Um, that's actually something that got a lot better with hooks because there's this one React hook called use effect. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what you use for all of your components side effect. So uh, also like when you want to do something after the component mounts or before it unmounts. Um, and actually, yeah, doing something when a variable changes is essentially a, a side effect of that component. So the use effect hook is perfect for that. It's kind of like the use memo hook. So it receives a callback of what it should do uh, at a certain point. And then once again, the second argument of the hook are the parameters. So then you say, okay, use effect. Um, 
like update the document title you put that in the in the callback and then as the second parameter you pass an array of variables that it needs to essentially watch um, okay and when one of those changes the effect will fire got it so yeah that's that makes a lot of sense i guess um i've always thought about use effect as being like for things like you said like um you know stuff that you want to fire when that has to like do stuff in the dom or whatever like sort of imperative side effecty stuff that you might do in like a mounted callback or or something like that but i guess like you can actually have it used for anything where you need to just run a piece of code um whenever the dependencies of it change so yeah it's interesting it's kind of is like use memo in a lot of ways except it doesn't return a memoized value but say you had like some piece of state that you needed to change like when some other piece of state changed um you could just literally specify the dependency state in the use effect array and then just call set state in the use effect handler to update the state that needs to react to that so yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. simple again right that specific uh, case is kind of seen as an anti-pattern, I okay. think, because the the effect is only going to run after uh, the component rendered again. Okay. So if you change state and you immediately want to react to that, use effect isn't necessarily going to be called immediately. That can happen actually a bit later. So then you could be stuck in this weird mm. intermediate state uh, thing. Uh, what they... I, their proposed solution for that is that you use a, a a reducer for your state management. So that's kind of like Vuex or Redux, where you where you keep your state in an object, and then you kind of dispatch an action, and then you can do multiple things based on that actions at once synchronously. Got it. So that when that's one piece of, of state solution. updates, if you need to update some other state, you can do that. Yeah. Because basically, you're receiving a yeah. message that's like update name and it's like okay well i know every time i update the name i also have to update this other thing over here so i'm going to make sure that i do that in the implementation of the reducer got it yeah exactly so with the reducer you kind of combine all that state yeah because changing other state in the component isn't really a side effect it's more like it's kind of like an, an action you did that needs to change multiple things but it's still changing multiple things in one component it's not like you're doing some sort of side effect outside of the component Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i feel like i've seen code examples in the past where people are doing things in react where they're somehow somewhere they're like receiving the old props and the new props to the component and comparing them and doing things based on that is that something you still need Mm -hmm. to sort of worry about in like uh in like this hooks era or is that something that people were only really doing in class components uh, I think that was mostly done for performance if you want to like reduce the amount of renders you have. Mm-hmm. So React had this uh, should component update lifecycle method uh, in classes. So where like if you had a prop name uh, the, and your component receives Sebastian that you can like manually compare is my new name the same as the old name? Because if it's the same, I don't really want to do a full re-render. Um, and with hooks, you kind of also solve that with the use memo hook. You can actually memoize your entire component's output. So you could actually memoize what you're going to render and not re-render the whole thing when oh, the props don't change. And you, you can also wrap your entire component in react.memo um, and also specify 
I think a function that can compare props that it's going to receive. Um, so that's mostly a performance thing that uh, yeah, got it. That it's used for. That's an interesting use case of use memo that I hadn't thought of because um, yeah, there's no reason that your the callback that you pass to use memo can't be where you write all your JSX for the component. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you just return the memoized value at the end, and that's just another example of where anything you can do in javascript you can do in a react component because that's <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. all it kind of is which is kind of cool cool Although i haven't done that myself yet i think because mostly if you're if you really want to memoize an entire block uh, an entire template then you probably just want to memoize the entire component and then you use react.memo outside of the component yeah. to kind of hijack the entire yeah. render instead of just uh, what it returns yeah cool so um one question i guess i have is is React doing a lot less in terms of automatically trying to figure out like how to optimize updates compared to Vue in that sense? Like it sounds like you have to you have to worry about it more in React than you do in Vue because like stuff like memoizing the output of a component that's like not even a thing you would ever even think about in Vue because the idea is that Vue's kind of just magically handling that for you. Mm -hmm. um, how much of that does React handle for you and how much of it is up to you to sort of think about and optimize yourself? Um, I don't think React optimizes anything there by themselves. Um, but re-rendering is actually cheaper than people think. Um, people think, oh, I need to memoize this because it's going to re-render a lot. Re-rendering is it's actually pretty cheap. It's flushing it to the, to, the to the DOM, to the browser. That's the expensive part. So, and so it's generally not really a big problem if you're, if you're triggering a lot of re-renders without flushing them to the DOM. Got but it. I, so if, if not much changes. When we talk about re-renders, uh, it's like the virtual DOM that's being like completely re-rendered, yeah. not like the real DOM. So you're creating a new virtual DOM tree very frequently, but it just doesn't actually matter because react is actually very intelligent about making sure that it only has to make the smallest updates to the dom the real dom that's actually yeah. necessary either way yeah um someone from react tweeted once that render act the render function of a component actually should have been called reconcile because that's what it's doing it's mm. not actually rendering it's reconciling what needs to be rendered but yeah that's kind of that would be kind of a weird word for people to to get started with so render is a uh, kind of simpler and another thing that the, the React team also doesn't really like, I, I think this is what I what I understand. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it kind of feels like they don't see memoizing a lot as a good solution because then you're just offloading your problems to memory instead of processing power, if that makes sense. Mm. Memoizing makes your makes your application heavier on memory. Uh, instead of on CPU, while not memorizing anything, makes it heavier on CPU, but keeping memory usage pretty low. So, so it's memorizing also a trade-off in its way. It's kind of up to you to decide like this is worth memorizing. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I could definitely of, see how you could fall into the trap of just thinking, well, this is derived state. I should I should always memorize all derived state because why not? That'll make things faster. But um if it doesn't actually like you probably it's something you should benchmark and see like is this actually making things faster and if it's not actually making things faster well now you're just using more memory for no reason so mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of like computed properties 
might uh, might always change like if you have a full name computed property of a component that receives a first name and a last name yeah every time one of the props changes you need to recompute your computed property mm -hmm. anyway so yeah it makes yeah. sense i think it's probably also worth considering like how often do you memoize values in just regular javascript that you're writing you probably almost never think mm -hmm. about it you know yeah, so, no, and it's never a problem either. Yeah, exactly. So you, you need to like think about your React components sort of with the same mentality, probably. Mm -hmm. Just think about it like JavaScript. Would you do this in regular JavaScript? If not, then yeah. you know, <laughs> there's nothing special about your React code where it needs to be yeah. sort of treated differently. Yeah, cool. So what about with if me? It's more like sorry. Yeah, go if, ahead. I, if it if it becomes a problem, then I'm gonna start looking at the performance. But until it's really a problem, and and memoizing things isn't hard either in react it's just wrapping it in some sort of use memo or something yeah it's so not just it's not it. like something you, you have anytime. to you're gonna res regret not doing and feel like yeah, oh now exactly. i have to re-architect yeah. this component to make it memoizable yeah. it's literally just taking a template string or something and wrapping it in a use memo callback and all yeah this, and it's just exactly done. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is DigitalOcean. So DigitalOcean is a simple, developer-friendly cloud platform optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. Uh, I've personally been a customer of DigitalOcean for about five years, and I use them to host all of my server-side projects, like my custom course platform, for example, which is built with Laravel. A lot of the guests that I've had on the show in the past are DigitalOcean customers as well. Uh, for example, Taylor Otwell, the creator of Laravel, he uses DigitalOcean to host all of his products like Envoyer and Laravel Forge. And Jeffrey Way actually uses DigitalOcean to host Laracast as well. Uh, one of DigitalOcean's newest features that I'm personally really excited about is managed databases, uh, which lets you spin up a completely managed database server so you don't have to worry about anything like backups, uh, managing read-only replicas, or just general server maintenance. Now, DigitalOcean is already an extremely affordable service. You can spin up a server for as little as $5 a month, uh, but they've been kind enough to offer a free $100 credit to full stack radio listeners. So if you want to give DigitalOcean a spin, head over to do.co slash full stack, all one word, to claim your $100 credit. Uh, thanks so much to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the podcast. Back to the show. Um, so what about uh, events? I think events are something that people you know rely on and use in Vue for mm -hmm. so many things that um don't exist in react and that's surprising mm -hmm. to a lot of people i think because they think well how do you solve the problems that i'm using events to solve in Vue? um so what's your take on that like what do you do in react uh to solve the same problems that you would be solving with like fire and custom events from components and Vue and listening to them in the parent yeah, um, I think people kind of overestimate what events do. Events are actually rel a relatively simple concept. Um, it's kind of like I just explained with the V model thing. You pass a prop to the component, which is a callback. So, like, let's say you have some sort of pagination component. The pagination component would require an on page change prop in which you pass actually an entire function that declares what needs to happen when the page changes. So you kind of invert the control there. Um, one thing that is really nice in Vue are the event modifiers, though. 
um, like you have at click.prevent. Those are things you need to do yourself uh, in React. Like if you have a, an, an anchor tag or something and you want to add a click handler, then you need to actually do event.prevent default inside the handler yourself instead of uh, having the template do that for you actually. Yeah, so it's a little bit more verbose in that sense. That is kind of a bit of a bummer because something I do find myself doing with Vue like pretty commonly is actually just using event modifiers with no callback function. Like a lot of time I'll just do at click.stop on something to make sure that a click event mm-hmm. doesn't propagate to the parent. I don't actually need to do anything on the click event. I just sort of want to trap the click event. Yeah. Um, so in React, it's a little bit more work because you do have to declare a function and yeah, then do e. stop propagation inside of it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think that's something that's like really interesting about React. And, and another example of where it's sort of simpler in the terms of just like a there's a smaller API is mm-hmm. um, they just sort of combine events and props into just props where, mm-hmm. you know, what you would normally call props in view are really just like passing data as props in React. And then what you would normally use events for in Vue is when you just pass functions as props in React. And the funny thing is like you can actually do the same thing in Vue if you wanted to. Like yeah. you, you don't actually have to use events in Vue. You could just use function props for everything. But that's not really yeah, exactly. really idiomatic. Whereas in React, yeah, everything is like the child just declares, well, if you want to do something when I'm clicked, Give me a function and I'll run it for you when I'm clicked. Whereas in view, it's I'll tell you when I was clicked and you can, you know, run a function yourself. But in terms yeah. of like how you perceive how things work, they, they work exactly the same way. It's just a slightly different way of doing it. How do you find that in general? Like, do you ever find yourself missing like events as a concept or do you feel like it? it's nice that I just have to think about props and sometimes I pass data and sometimes I pass functions and you know, that's it. I don't really miss events because by convention, you just prefix every uh, kind of event prop to call them with on. So like on click, on change, on page change, uh, on item click or whatever. So visually it kind of is almost as clear as the at sign in view. So I don't really miss the the concept of events. Um, but I never really liked in view is how they're kind of weird with how they deal with the the case of events. It's like if you yeah, if you have like item clicked or something and you want to do it in camel case, but then your templates, it's like when you're doing it in HTML, you're not allowed to use camel case and I these these weird I don't know. I always was confused by casing and uh, view templates. I don't know. And I've had problems with it with events. Um, their React is just like, yeah, you have your prop name on item click and it needs to be exactly like that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I don't feel like I, I miss, I don't feel like I miss anything except for sometimes on modifiers. Yeah. Is there any, um, is there any like libraries or anything in React that exists to try and simplify some of that stuff like i feel like i've seen something about like being able to do modifier stuff um in react somewhere but maybe i'm imagining it i haven't seen anything uh myself yeah so yeah i don't know but i haven't felt the need for anything like that either yeah yeah makes sense i think if you wanted to you could sort of implement that yourself just using function composition too right like if you wanted to like um always like stop propagation 
of an event or something you could just have like a stop wrapper function where you could just say like mm-hmm. on click equals stop and then pass in like your callback and it would just sort yeah, of intercept exactly. it and automatically stop it and then run your other thing just another interesting example of it's just javascript mm-hmm. you can just kind of do whatever cool yeah. stuff you want it's kind of <laughs> neat um i think maybe like the last or maybe two more two more view features to talk about um and kind of talk about how they're implemented is uh, slots um Mm -hmm. so we can talk about that one a little bit because i think that's one of the things like we sort of talked about the slot scope stuff a little bit earlier um where i think like react is a lot simpler um or a lot easier to sort of understand exactly what's going on because it's not kind of hidden from you so i mean in view we have this idea of slots where if you have a component that needs to accept some of its template from the parent like maybe you have an alert component and you want to be able to pass through sort of like the contents of it and you want that those contents to be able to contain html in view you have to pass that through as like a slot which is like a special mm-hmm. way of passing html to components instead of just a string um does react have anything like slots or how would you implement that same thing how would you pass basically html to a to a child component yeah so once again it's all built around props um, in view, you have the default. You have a one default slot, which is the the HTML you're actually going to put between your uh, starting and ending component tags. In React, all the contents of your default slot will be passed to a children prop. So then you receive a children prop, and you can render it inside your component wherever you want. So you could wrap it in the div or whatever. Um, if you want to have named slots, then Nothing stops you from just dumping a blob of JSX inside a prop. So you could have like a layout component and then you'd say sidebar equals and then inside the, the sidebar prop, you'd actually just add your add your sidebar template. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the scoped slots in view, which are like you said earlier, lazily evaluated, which is also the same concept again, but instead of just dumping your JSX in a prop, you would um, add a function in the prop that returns JSX. So then you can call that function whenever you want in the in the child component, um, and it will be lazily evaluated. Yeah. And you can add parameters to it if you want, so you could pass things up yeah. uh, to invert the control. It's pretty interesting to me that um, like one of the things that I find most appealing about React is that they've been able to take... like essentially like three features from view which are you know views version of props views events and views slots and they collapse Mm -hmm. all of them down into one feature which is just props that's it Mm -hmm. and you don't have to know these three things you only have to know this one thing and you can pass anything in a prop and and again i think the slot thing is just a limitation of view using templates it's just a trade-off again where if you want to support templates well you can't pass html as a prop easily um whereas in react because everything is like in a a javascript function and there's no concept of templates i mean jsx is just like a babel transform essentially like on top of like some regular function calls everything can be props you can just pass jsx as props functions as props data as props um yeah it's 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 neat because it's just so much less to learn it can be, I think it can be harder to learn maybe or seem like a little bit more intimidating, but at the end of the day, it's less, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
but it's harder to as if you don't really know react it's harder to see what's going on because everything looks the same from afar that's one thing view has an edge on mm. if you're a, if you're a beginner like easily see okay this is this is used as a slot this is used as an event yeah everything's sort of like labeled prop. like it's sort yeah. of made clear to you whereas in react it's like everything is a prop unless you are familiar with sort of the patterns and what people are doing then yeah it's hard to know like what's what's the difference between this and this? Like, what's this being used for versus what's this being used for? Whereas in Vue, everything is sort of categorized for you, which yeah. can definitely make it easier I, to learn. Sometimes I try to solve that with conventions. Like for, for events, it's easy. You prefix everything with on. Um, for slots, um, sometimes I prefix them with render. So then you have like layouts and then you'd say render sidebar and that contains uh, mm -hmm. GSX. So it's like easy to see from afar, okay, this this actually expects part of a template instead of just a a plain prop or whatever yeah cool that makes sense um last feature i kind of wanted to talk about something that view makes really easy that this one i really don't know what people do in react i don't know if you use a separate library or whatever but it's um transitions so view makes transitions like really simple um they has like a transition component you wrap that around some things write a little bit of css and things just like magically work and i think that's one of the areas of view that really makes people feel like they have like superpowers when they can make these like cool animated uis with very declarative code without having to write a lot of code does react have anything for like transitions built in or are there any sort of like de facto react transition libraries that everyone kind of uses there's nothing built in. Uh, I think there might have used to be an official library, but it was deprecated. But that was like a, f a year or two, three ago. So that's been a while. Mm -hmm. um, last time I needed transitions, I used uh, the pop motion one. I can't, I can't think of the name now. Um, is it? I don't think it may, it's maybe spring. No, pose. That's what it is. Pose. Um, and that's also a way to a library to add de declarative animations. Cool. Uh, and that worked actually, yeah, that was really cool to work with. Uh, they have a great API. They have a view version too. Um, it does a bit more advanced things than the default view transitions do for you. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, third-party library, you'll need uh, for nice. that. There's no enter or leave classes by default like few has and when you're using like a third-party library like does it feel any harder than it would feel with view or is it still you know basically feels just as magical like you just wrap some things in components kind of specify the minimum information you need and things just kind of generally work um things generally work um i kind of prefer a lot i I kind of prefer the state of the ecosystem of React libraries over view libraries at the moment because there's a bigger focus on like renderless components. It's still, mm -hmm. it feels like a concept that's not really picked up much yet in the view ecosystem. It's like there's, I don't think there's any good renderless select library out there yet for view, no, for example. No, there's none. Um, none that I've seen. Like the um, most, no. Um, while, while React has a lot of really good uh, libraries that it's more work to set up in those cases, but it gives you total freedom. And those kind of libraries I kind of miss in, in Vue sometimes. They're, in Vue, they're generally a lot more opinionated or you need to like add 50 props to configure them the way you yeah. want instead of kind of like inverting the control to the 
the yeah. package user. Yeah. Yeah. I still think that's like one of the most powerful patterns uh, ever in like this component library yeah. <laughs> stuff. And uh, yeah, like that's something that I first discovered in React and have tried to evangelize a bit in Vue. And I've seen some stuff pop up here and there, but it definitely hasn't um, definitely hasn't taken off the same way. And, and I think probably a lot of the reason for that is they're hard to build in Vue. And, and not because like Vue makes it hard, but more just because the way that you have to build them in Vue is you basically have to write like React-ish code in Vue, which yeah. just is a very sort of different approach in some ways than um, what people are used to. So there's a little bit of a higher barrier to entry for people to actually build libraries mm-hmm. like that, I feel like. Um, Cause if you like the decisions that Vue has made and like what drew you to Vue is using templates and, you know, V model and stuff like that, you're sort of in for a world of hurt when you have to write your view components with a render function, which basically nobody does. Um, and to do these renderless components, right. I feel like a lot of the time you're just like writing raw, render functions using like yeah. the actual um h function so you know what i mean like because it, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's not really a good it's probably not a good idea to depend on jsx and your view libraries either because like you're just going to force that onto the i mean unless you compile it down um before you distribute it on npm or whatever but yeah i don't know anytime i've wanted to do something like that it's a lot of writing render function view components which are just a very rare thing to see in the wild usually yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool um so yeah i think um i think that's probably a good place to maybe start start wrapping things up because we've been going for a while now i did have some other questions lined up but maybe we could save this for another conversation uh, another time because i think we did a really good job sort of banging through all of um sort of like the features that people depend on in view that are sort of done differently in react and sort of hopefully giving people a good overview. So they feel like if they wanted to start playing with react, they'd have like a, a better starting point or would be able to sort of translate the work that they do a little bit more easily. Um, where do you recommend people look if they want to like learn more about react or get started with react? What are some of your favorite resources or how do you kind of keep up with what's going on in the community? I think my favorite resource for learning React is still the React, the official docs. I think they're they're really good, especially the past year. They've really uh, been upgraded a lot. And besides that, I just generally follow people on Twitter and Reddit. Um, I don't really have any specific React resources that are really good. I haven't been... I, I don't. There are probably a lot of good tutorials on like Egghead and stuff, but I haven't really checked those out myself. So I can't really recommend anything specific except for the React docs are definitely really well-written and they build up nicely. Nice. Who are some of the your favorite React developers to follow on Twitter? Um, Dan Abramoff uh, tweets a lot of interesting things about React and uh, what they're working on. Uh, oh, that's also actually a really good resource. He has a, a personal blog too, overreacted.io. Uh, and he has a few really good uh, React articles. A few of them are like why, like what React conceptually is, like without implementation details, like kind of explaining React from first principles. He has a really good article on that. And also a few good articles on how React is built internally that are really interesting. Nice. So, yeah. 
Cool. Um, well, yeah, I think um, I think that's a good place to start wrapping it up. So thanks so much for coming on the show and chatting with me about this stuff. It's been awesome sort of learning about your experiences. And I'm personally excited to play with uh, React a lot more myself. Yeah, no problem. It was great. Thanks. Uh, where's the best place for people to sort of keep up with uh, you and the stuff that you're working on? Um, mostly on Twitter. So at Sepp Dedene. Um, and I also have a blog, SebastianDedene.com, where I try to post things every now and then probably going to add some react content to the coming weeks so if you're into that check it out well there you have it folks i hope you enjoyed this conversation with sebastian about learning react if you're interested in show notes for this episode they'll be at fullstackradio.com slash 114 thanks to cloudinary and digital ocean for sponsoring the podcast this week and we'll see you next time